Thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information about Grace Hill, follow us on social media at gracehill901 or visit gracehill901.com. My name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is such a privilege to have you guys. We had a slight technical issue this morning where one of our bulbs and our lights up there blew uh, this morning during rehearsal, and so we have no we have no center stage light, so I'm going to teach from this side so I can at least be visible just a touch, but I want to welcome you guys here. Thank you for being here today. Um, it's a really, really important day in the life of our church, and so I want to thank you for being here. If you're new, uh, you're kind of jumping right into the middle of this series we started a couple of weeks ago called Cups, Kings, and Bricks, and we've been looking at this uh, this little bitty book. Uh, that for many of us, even myself included, uh, would have to look up in the table of contents to figure out exactly where the book is at in your Bible. Uh, But we've been looking at this little book uh, called Haggai. And in this little book, we're finding some pretty big, powerful truths for our life. And so today is no different. We're jumping right back in, uh, going right back into Haggai chapter two. And so you can uh, find it or look in the YouVersion app if you want to and track with us there. Um, But you know, one of the thoughts about and around today is what we're gonna look at is, you know, the ability to remember is so powerful, isn't it? The the ability to recall a memory from your past and and to reminisce about that and to think about that, and especially if it's a positive memory. I mean, I have memories from, man, music does it for me. It triggers memories for me. When I I hear a song and I can go right back to a moment, 1998, Brian McKnight, one last time comes out. All you older millennials, you're like, yeah, right on. And like, I can remember driving to Oxford, Mississippi, listening to the CD, Kids, if you don't know what CDs are, just ask your parents later. I can't believe I'm old enough now where I have to say that. But, but, but listening to that, and I can go right back to driving that little white uh, Ford Ranger five-speed pickup truck. I mean, it just takes me there even now. Memories are so powerful. One of the fondest memories that I have growing up as a kid was uh, my family, we made a really big deal about vacations every year. I think it's one of the reasons why we make such a big deal about our vacations. We, we hype them up, we pump them up with our kids, and I think that's part of because it's the culture that I grew up in. My parents always found a way to take us out of town on a vacation uh, during the year. And so I can remember for many years, we did a family vacation down at the beach, and um, we rented this little it was really a shack is really what it is. I've talked to my parents because sometimes your memories play tricks on you. You know, you can remember something better than what it actually was. And, and I kind of remembered it as like this really cool place. And mom and dad were like, no, that was, that was a shack is exactly what it was. It, it was not a nice place at all. Uh, my mom actually reminded me that the only shower in the place, it was like a little cottage that had been built in the 20s. And mom reminded me that there was no, uh, indoor, <laughs> there was no indoor plumbing and that they had basically made an extension out the hallway and you actually had to shower outside. They'd built like a little fence around the shower. I mean, you know, just my memories. But here's what's interesting. I have longed to be able to look up on VRBO and find that little place and take my kids back there. You know why? Because I can remember sitting out on the porch in the evening, listening to the waves probably 40 yards away, which is a huge parental hazard, by the way, I mind you. Like, to take a bunch of small children to the beach on a screened-in sun porch, you know, 40 yards away from the water, uh, it's amazing. 
Anyway, I, I, I've longed to, to, to recreate that in my own kids' lives. For them to experience that, that, that uh, environment of that, that old cottage, it probably had sort of some dim lit light. I can remember the, the old fridge, you know, it was the white fridge and it had the big handle on it and it just kind of curved. I mean, it was, it was old, but it was so much fun. And I can remember having so much fun at that little beach cottage growing up as a kid. You know, the ability to remember the past and the ability to remember, we've talked about this throughout the series and really throughout our last series, the ability to remember what God has done in our lives is so powerful. And it's not just powerful, it's, it's actually a command. We're actually commanded, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're commanded to remember what God has done. Psalm 103 says this. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. We are commanded to bless, but what happens when we box God into the past and we condense what God could and would do in and through our lives, in and through our church, in and through our family to nothing more than a simple memory? Well, we're going to be challenged with that today as we look at Haggai chapter 2. You can go there with me. And I just want to start, just verse one, and I want to read. In the seventh month, and again, to sort of set a little bit of context, this is the remnant of the people, the Jewish people who have returned from Babylon. And the temple in in the exile to Babylon was destroyed. The walls around the city of Jerusalem were destroyed. And when the, the people came back from Babylon, they started to rebuild the temple, and after two years of rebuilding the temple, they simply decided the work is too hard, we've got too many excuses, we're changing our priorities. And the temple sat for 14 years untouched. And so we've been looking the last couple of weeks at the challenge of the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Haggai and what he was challenging his people to do, and we jump right into the story. They have begun the work of the temple now. And we see this in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shaitel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing in your eyes? Now again, the the context there to sort of understand is that King David, David and Goliath, that guy, King David, he wanted to build this temple. And he had stored all of these treasures from all of the conquest of all of his military wars that he fought and everything that he had, he began to store it and he wanted to build the temple and God said, no, but your son's gonna build it. So many years later, Solomon, his son, again, same thing, rich, 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 kingdom, rich king, built this magnificent temple for God. And the people begin the work, and, and a month after they begin the work, the word of the Lord comes and says, is what's being done now, is it, is it nothing in your eyes? Is what I'm doing now nothing in your eyes? You see, Haggai is speaking some 66 years after Solomon's temple was destroyed. And there were some people who were around when that temple in that city was still fully constructed. 
I have no doubt, scholars have no doubt that there were people in Jerusalem at the time, this remnant of people who had survived the exodus, the, the, the exile, and they could recall and remember. Matter of fact, Ezra, again, the, the story goes Haggai chronologically, and then Ezra, and then Nehemiah. Ezra gives us a picture into what's happening. Ezra 3.12 says this. This is the story of the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra 3.12 says this. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. This was not a weeping for joy. This was a weeping in sorrow. The men in Ezra 3 wept because they saw this temple in its former glory and the current state of the temple could not match. Solomon spared no expense. He hired the best talent to build the temple, the best people he could find to do the work. And this new temple in its current state could not match what had been done before in these people's eyes. And the sad part is, this is the sad part for me as I think about this story is that there were a group of people in this community who had seen the former temple. Imagine the stories that they could tell about what this temple looked like. Imagine the hope that they could bring to the community. Hey, I know this is hard work now. I know it's difficult. I know you don't feel skilled and qualified. I understand that, but let me tell you what the temple used to look like. And let me tell you that that my great-granddad or my great-great-great-granddad shared the story with me of how this temple was built. And we can do this. Imagine the hope that the people could have brought. That God did this once. He'll do it again for us. We're in the midst of this incredible rebuilding season. Let's have hope together. And yet... The sad reality is this. They let the past get in the way of the future. They let the past get in the way of their future. And right here in this passage of scripture, God is getting to the heart of the problem. God is drilling deep into the hearts and the lives of these people. He's drilling deep into the reason why the temple has had no work done to it in 14 years. You see, this wasn't a resource problem that the people had laid down for 14 years and not worked on the temple. They clearly were resourceful. They built their own houses. They built their own neighborhoods. This clearly wasn't an ability problem. They had the ability to put their heads together, to come together, and to build their homes, and to build their houses, and to build their neighborhoods, and begin to rebuild the community around them. You see, this was not a resource or an ability problem. This was a God problem. The issue that these people had with rebuilding the temple was an issue they had with God. And I think if you boil it down, if you look at the history of mankind, if you look at the history of the children of Israel, if you look at all of this, if you boil it down, at the end of the day, they simply did not trust God enough. 
And yeah, the temple in its current state, it was certainly not what it once was. But God was still providing. The temple had set broken for 66 years at this point. God had brought them out of the, the exile to Babylon. He had provided for them in ways upon ways upon ways, and yet they still didn't trust God with the ability to provide for their future. And so instead of doing something, they simply did nothing. And here's the principle that I think applies to each and every one of our lives is this is that you will not embrace the future God is calling you towards if you are holding too past to the if you're holding too tight to the past he brought you from you will not embrace the future God is calling you towards if you're holding too tight to the past he brought you from this is in your personal life in your church life in your family life, you will not embrace the future God is calling you towards if you're holding too tight to the past he brought you from. And I, I have a hunch around this, this idea. I've, I've read it and I've studied it and I've looked at it. I, I have a hunch around this. The hunch that I have is this. Is I think that it was the people the group of people who once saw the temple in its former glory that held the entire community back. That's, that's what I think. I, I believe that the excitement of the exiles returning back into Jerusalem, of these people who had, maybe some of them had been born in captivity and never seen their city, never seen where they came from, never seen where their grandparents originated from. I think the excitement that they would have brought into that environment would have been contagious. And I think it was the people who said, no, now is not the time. Now is not the time. Now is just not the time. They simply had a problem with God. They didn't have a resource problem. They didn't have an ability problem. They didn't have a, comp a, a competency problem or a capacity problem. They had a problem with God. I, I love what, what this verse says in a different translation. In the New Living Translation, it says this. How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. It must seem like, I mean, can you imagine God saying that into your life, into our church family? Is what I've provided for you, is it nothing at all? Is it nothing to you what I've done, what I will continue? Is it, is it nothing to you? Imagine the heartbreak that God must have had as he looked at these people and he just thought to himself, they don't trust me enough. And I want to say this as, as, as kindly, as pastorally, as, with as much humility as I can. I believe that as I look in our city, as I look in our culture, as I look in our community, I think this is the greatest weakness 
of the church in our area today. What has happened is we have, many of us in, the, in our communities have grown up in church. Many of us have been raised maybe in a great church. And I think a lot of our churches were probably a lot like that beach shack that I grew up in. They were great, but we've elevated how great they really were. And we're holding on to that past and those memories so much. These memories could be from five years ago. They could be from 10 years ago. They could be from 15 years ago and beyond. And we continue to hold on to those. God did something amazing in the past. And we should not forget his benefits. We should thank God for what he did in and through our lives, what we saw God do in others, how God provided. But we cannot make the mistake of saying that that's all God intended to do. I have a friend of mine that whenever the subject of church comes up, and, and this individual is, is really old enough to be one of my parents. I mean, that's kind of the age that they fall in. But, but, and I'm not, let me, let me say this. I want to put a big disclaimer on this. People who are my age and younger are just as guilty of this as anybody who are older. I'm an equal opportunity offender this morning in this message, okay? So let me just sort of state that and be very, very clear. Younger people, you are just as guilty of this and you can be just as susceptible to this as anybody from an older generation. I am not picking on an older generation this morning. I'm an equal opportunity offender, but I have a friend of mine who, who is older, and it does not matter. Every time the subject of church comes up, they begin to reminisce about a childhood church they grew up in. And the pastor was perfect, the student ministry was perfect, the building was perfect, the location was perfect, the choir director, everything about the church was perfect. And everything about their current situation doesn't seem to measure up. They've had some good times in those congregations. They've had some good times with those church experiences. But they've never just quite leveled up to what could have been. And I have another friend of mine who has made this comment in the presence of this other person that when they begin to reminisce or when anybody begins to just bemoan church and just, oh, you know, it's, it's terrible, it's bad, you know, whatever. I have a friend of mine and he says this, and it's so harsh, but it is so true. He'll make this statement. I'm sorry, did I not get the message that God's dead? And I know, that's, I know that's hard truth to hear this morning. But, but if you believe that the greatest thing that God could ever do in through a church was 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, then let me spare you the future. Just go home. Just go home. God's people are active, they are alive and well, and his kingdom has no end, which means it will continue to expand with or without you. But here's the beauty about the local church. Here's the beauty about the body of Christ. Here's the beauty about building and advancing the mission of the kingdom of God is that God welcomes every one of us into that story. And we all have a piece, we all have a part, we all have a role to play in the midst of that. And God in my own life has brought me to, an, to a very, very, very similar place. I, I think we got a picture that I'm gonna put up on the screen and, and I, I wasn't planning on using this picture this week. 
It showed up on my Facebook memories yesterday, and when I was scrolling through and looking at how sweet my kids were from, you know, many years ago, this was one of the pictures that was there. And I think that it was one of those things that even years ago when this picture got loaded into my Facebook feed, I think God maybe knew the timing even then. You see, this is me in a former life. And that may be a black and white picture of a guy standing on stage with his arm up, but that represents more than just that to me. You see, that picture represents how God had provided in a way that was unfathomable at that time. That picture represents a dream that was becoming a reality in my own life and in our church's life at the time. That picture represents people in the congregation that I had invested my life into for years. That picture represents some of the closest friends I have ever had in my entire life. That picture represents to me a season where I felt like that God was using my ministry to affect and change lives maybe greater than he has ever used that season in my life, ever. You see, that's more than a black and white picture of me standing on stage leading worship. That represents, that picture represents God's faithfulness to me in a season. And so what I want to say to you today is, I understand the pain of building into people, of loving people, of sharing life with people. I know the pain of losing a church that I once loved. But here's also what I know, is that if I'm not willing to embrace the future God was calling me towards, I would always hold on too tight to the past he called me from. And I had to make a decision, and it was not a one-time decision. It was a numerous time decision that, God, you have been faithful yesterday. You have been faithful today, and I have to believe that you will be faithful tomorrow. Over and over and over and over again. And I believe that that is exactly where the people in Haggai found themselves when they were confronted with what God said. Look around. Does the provision that I'm providing, it, is it nothing in your eyes because it can't compare? But here's the good news. is that God doesn't leave it there. And for every one of us in our lives, if we feel like we're rebuilding something, and I know I've specifically talked about a a local church context this morning, but many of you, you're rebuilding your finances. Many of you, you're rebuilding your marriage. Many of you, you're rebuilding family strains of relationships or friends strains. Many of you, you're just rebuilding your life. And here's what I want to say to you. If you have forgotten the faithfulness of God in the past, there is hope for you to begin a new course today. And God reminds his people of that. He gives them hope. Listen to these words. 
<clears throat> Yet now. You see, if we're not careful, we'll just fly right by that. Hey, is this nothing in your eyes? Yet now, in this moment, right in this line in history, now be strong. O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work. Why? For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made for you. When you came out of Egypt, this is hundreds of years ago, God is reminding them, he's reminding his people of the faithfulness over and over and over and over again. And then I love this. He reminds them of this again. My spirit is in your midst. Fear not. He gives them three action steps. He says, be strong. And work and do not fear. And, and, and to bring that into our context as a, as a people living in 2018, I, I think this is what God is trying to communicate through Haggai here. He's saying, your life may look different now than it did. The people in your life may look different now than they once did, but I want to continue to show my faithfulness to you in your life. God is with you. God is with us. And I promise you, the future is always better with God. The future may be uncertain, but the future is always better with God. I love verse six. It goes on and it says this, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all nations will come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And then he reminds them that the, that the, the provision that David had, the provision that Solomon had to build the temple, it is still the same provision that God has. He says this, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And then don't miss this, the latter glory of this house, this house that you're weeping over, this house that you've made excuses for over the last 14 years to not put your hands to work and build it, this house, this house, House, the glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace. And I don't have time to get into all the nuance of all of that. Some of you Bible scholars, you already know where I'm headed. But history tells us that Herod King Herod, Herod the Great, remodeled this temple almost 500 years later. 
And scholars tell us and historians tell us that Herod's temple, the remodel that he did to this temple after it was completed was by far more spectacular than Solomon's temple. But even greater than the remodel that Herod did. Just a few short years later, our Savior, Servant, Leader, King, Messiah walked into that temple. And the people in their moment, their people in their excuses for 14 years had no idea what was at stake to what was coming. They had no idea maybe until this moment the part that they would play They had no idea that as they began to construct this temple over the years that it took them to construct it, as they began to build this temple, that one day Jesus Christ would offer his body, he would offer his life as a sacrifice once and for all, for all of mankind, and the veil of the curtain that hung in that temple would be torn in two, therefore forever creating peace between man and God. You see, you have no idea the impact that your life today will make on the future. None at all. We don't have the ability, we don't have the scope to see it. But here's what I know, and I've had to remind myself of this, I've had to come back to it numerous times, is this, is that the future is always better with God. The future is always better with God. In our community, both here at Grace Hill and in our local community, there is so much hurt and pain from church experiences. I don't want to speak directly to a specific group of people. I am not unaware that the last two years, for many of you, have brought about a lot of pain and a lot of emotion. And what I want to say to every single one of you is this, is if you've got great memories of what church once used to be, of what a people of God once used to be, amazing. Thank God for those. Praise Jesus for the work that he once did. And if you come today into this place and you're carrying hurt and pain and baggage from from wounds, that maybe a church or people who have claimed Jesus have inflicted on your life, I want to say to you, I'm sorry. But let's not make, and let's not let the great things, and let's not let the hard things keep us from trusting God to making a lasting impact on the people that are here, on the people that are beyond these walls and beyond what God is even in our mind right now that God could do in and through our lives. God has given us such incredible favor. Let's do this together. What God is calling us to do, each and every one of us. Let's pray.